diving into everything there is to know about renewable hydrogen. This is Purple is the New Green, a Nell Hydrogen podcast, co-hosted together with H2View. Join us as we talk about hydrogen, the energy carrier of the future, already available today. Welcome to another episode of Purple is the New Green. I'm Lila Asdell-Danielson, together with my co-host, Rob Cockerell. Rob, it's been a while. How are things? It has indeed. Things are great. Thank you, Lila. Great to be back at this whole purple podcast thing. (laughs) Purple podcast thing. It's a new twist on our latest and greatest in all things purple. I like it. And I fully agree. It's good to be back in the podcast saddle, so to speak. Studio, perhaps. That might be more the word you're looking for. Oh, still wordsmithing me, are we? Of course. You'd probably get bored without that, wouldn't you? (laughs) Fair enough. All right. So today we'll be talking to Philip Smeets, Senior Vice President and Head of the Nell Electrolyzer Division. He's going to fill us in on electrolyzers and why they're the key to green hydrogen. Now, I understand this is a rather popular topic at H2View. Any truth to that rumor? It is indeed. There's a lot of truth to that rumor. I think we're all aware that electrolysis and green hydrogen is one of the hottest topics today, particularly now we're in April 21. And there's increasing swathes of people, companies and governments switching onto it. You may have seen we've had some great discussion on electrolyzers across H2View webinars. And it was also a big topic, as you know, at our virtual event just last month. I do indeed know that. We were delighted that our own CEO, Jan-André Leuke, was there as a speaker and representing Nell Hydrogen, of course. So what have we learned that's new so far in 2021? Well... I don't know if we've learned anything new as such. It's probably more that there are now so many people learning about electrolyzers as a whole. Something we've seen, though, is quite an intense debate emerge at times around the whole blue versus green hydrogen debate and what that period of transition looks like to an entirely green hydrogen supply chain and, importantly, why. And then, of course, there are also calls from others to just quit the debate and get on with either getting any of those shades of hydrogen in there and now. Well, speaking of getting on with things, we should probably just get on with this podcast ourselves. Let's get Philip on the line to fill us in on the topic even further. Philip, thanks for joining us. Hi, good morning. Lila and I were just chatting about electrolyzers and their growing role in the energy transition. In your opinion, why are electrolyzers so relevant right now? Um, well, uh, it's not right now. They start to become relevant in the energy transition because uh, we're uh, getting at a point where um, we need to start to um, convert uh, the green uh, renewable power um, uh, electrons into uh, renewable fuel. Uh, and that's where the electrolyzers come, come, come in because uh, um, uh, that's uh, really the uh, tool that you need to make that conversion happening. Um, uh, and it will uh, it will only increase as the energy transition um, continues over the next couple of decades. So we've got the tools. What needs to happen or who needs to act in order to enable hydrogen to fulfill its potential in the energy transition? Um, I think you need to look at it uh, um, a bit like um, uh, um, uh, we looked at uh, solar and wind um, 15, 20 years ago. Um, back then, uh, um, there was not a single investor who um, wanted to invest in a, a PV um, a, um, a panel um, or um, a wind turbine because there was no viable business case. Um, but uh, because this uh, technology was so important to uh, kickstart the energy transition, 
um, governments around the globe decided to um, uh, support it with um, uh, market pool measures uh, such as feed-in tariffs and green certificates, etc. Um, and that uh, um, really kickstarted that market. And uh, we uh, we have seen over the past uh, um, 15 years that um, uh, that market uh, have, has grown enormously and went uh, very rapidly through the uh, cost learning curve um, uh, to the point where uh, in, in, in several regions in the world, um, uh, these technologies don't need any support measures anymore uh, or any subsidies. Um, they are uh, um, cheaper than fossil um, uh, um, uh, equivalents uh, and um, can stand on their own feet. So uh, the next step in, uh, um, in the energy transition is uh, first um, to uh, um, support technologies that can store a green uh, power uh, short term, uh, so for a couple of hours or um, uh, 24 hours, to, uh, uh, two days, and that's typically uh, um, a battery storage uh, technologies. Um, and then the next um, uh, thing that needs to happen is uh, support technologies that help to convert um, the uh, green uh, electrons into green fuel, and that's uh, where uh, elect electrolyzers come into play. Now, we've talked about this quite a bit uh, uh, in now, of course, and I've heard from you, Philip, that uh, you've mentioned about, you know, hydrogen and this kind of rock star status in the energy transition. Can you tell me what uh, what you've meant about that? Well, um, uh, that's basically something that was uh, mentioned, uh, uh, I think, last summer um, already. Um, uh, by uh, Frank Timmermans, who is the uh, um, uh, executive vice president of the European Commission. Um, and he mentioned that uh, electrolyzers are the rock star of the energy transition. And uh, to be honest, I think he's wrong. Um, uh, I think energy policymakers, they should be the rock stars of the energy transition. Um, because what we need now is um, energy policies that enable business cases for hydrogen projects at scale. Uh, we need uh, electricity prices for green hydrogen production exempted from taxes, levies, and grid fees. Um, and we need carbon tax policies that drive the investment in green technology. And we need also harmonized international standards on green hydrogen plants that, uh, that allow to cut uh, um, down on recurrent engineering costs. So all of that um, can only happen um, if uh, we have um, policymakers that uh, um, develop those policies that support uh, a market pool uh, environment for uh, the electrolyzer. So I think uh, Frank Timmermans, he, he can become the mixed um, Mick Jagger of uh, the 20s. Um, I, it's, uh, I think it's his if he, if he wants it. That's a great analogy. I love that. Um, and if we can carry that rolling stones uh, a bit further, you know, the, this discussion is a rolling stone that we don't want to gather anymore. Philip, there's ever increasing pressure on policymakers, but are you saying then that we perhaps need to flip that pressure around and approach it differently, that we almost need to make heroes of them? Well, um, I, if, if they succeed, yes, why not? Um, I, I would not uh, have a problem with that um, because it really starts, uh, it's, it really starts there. Um, I, I think the energy transition will not happen fast enough um, if um, uh, we don't have um, uh, policies that 
support um, uh, the uh, um, fast deployment of uh, the, all these new technologies that we will need to um, uh, um, uh, develop and grow and, and develop a, um, uh, a, a supply chain for. Uh, without uh, without all those uh, um, uh, market pool measures that are required, and uh, as one uh, market pool measure is fading out, um, others need to um, uh, accelerate it to help uh, the subsequent, the next uh, um, uh, technology that we need in that uh, um, particular phase of the energy transition. Can you give us any examples of those market pool measures that are are in action right now? Well, um, to, to be honest, there are only a couple of them um, uh, already in, in action in uh, a couple of uh, uh, countries. And I think the, the, the one which I uh, uh, like the most and which I think is, 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 is one that we need um, to really focus on um, uh, on a global level, and that's the uh, carbon tax um, uh, uh, mechanism that uh, uses CO2 emissions as the sole and single driver of um, uh, uh, measuring how we're doing with regard to uh, emission and uh, um, the CO2 pricing there um, and, and, and uh, a system that controls um, uh, that pricing um, will, uh, will become, I think, uh, essential um, to have um, a system in place that is um, fair and across the board because I think one ton CO2 emitted um, uh, by uh, um, the automotive industry or by um, uh, the uh, um, uh, fertilizer industry uh, should be um, uh, the same uh, and should have the same cost and the same penalty. Um, we should not uh, cherry pick um, segments that um, uh, will have to uh, pay for the energy transition and others um, that uh, um, will um, get a free ride. Uh, I, I don't think that that can be the case. And that is um, at the moment um, still a little bit the case with the European um, system that is in place. So that needs to, I think, uh, needs to be uh, changed going forward. Uh, but that, I think, is the most important measure that we can uh, um, have is a functioning um, system um, to price CO2 um, emissions. Um, and that will drive um, uh, our behavior, that will drive investment in, uh, um, the, comp in, in the industries um, uh, and by cities, etc., um, uh, towards uh, reduction of, uh, um, of those emissions and uh, investing in new um, clean technologies. Thanks, Philip. That makes a lot of sense. I'm, I'm going to change tracks a little bit here. And this is probably something we should have uh, asked you right at the top of the episode. But, you know, if we're, if we're talking about people in the, the hydrogen industry, you've been involved with hydrogen for quite some time now. What led you to a career in hydrogen? What sparked that? So, um, uh, it, it dates back to 2010 um, uh, because then uh, um, uh, up, up until 2010 I had uh, um, spent my entire career working for um, uh, let's say mid-sized multinationals that were active in uh, um, uh, chemistry, um, uh, specialty chemicals, uh, polymer additives, etc. Uh, let's say the, the dark side of chemistry. Um, and then the company for which I was working, um, I moved their headquarters um, uh, from Belgium to Switzerland. Um, and I decided not to join, um, uh, not to move my family to Switzerland, then to roll the dices. 
um, and that's how I uh, um, got into contact with um, a startup in uh, um, uh, this sector. Uh, and I thought, okay, let's try this and see uh, um, whether that uh, um, is something that uh, suits me well. And uh, it gave me also an opportunity to move from the dark side of chemistry to the green side of chemistry. Um, and you do, do something good for uh, the planet. So um, I, about one year in that role, um, uh, I already uh, um, I was a hydrogen junkie and uh, I never kicked off. Uh, well, from one hydrogen junkie to another, um, at the beginning of 2021, Nell held its first ever CMD, its Capital Markets Day, and I was very keenly watching and both you and Lila were involved, of course. Are there any key highlights from there that you'd like to remind our audience of? Uh, yeah, I think the most important highlight is uh, the fact that we uh, um, uh, we uh, announced or reiterated um, our uh, objective um, uh, to get to um, uh, a uh, levelized cost of hydrogen, um, uh, green hydrogen then, um, uh, of $1.5 per kg by 2025. Um, and that means um, uh, on par with uh, um, or fossil parity with uh, um, uh, gray or brown um, hydrogen. Uh, so that's for us a, a very important uh, um, and aggressive objective uh, for our um, uh, technology roadmap. Um, and what was interesting to see is that uh, we announced that in January and uh, within weeks, um, I, uh, a couple of uh, or a, a lot of our peers in the market um, announced the same objective. So uh, that made me um, smile a bit and uh, um, I, that shows that uh, excellence seems to inspire. Eh? Um, but uh, of course, nothing is better than the original. That's very true. And of course, for anyone wanting to dig into more of the background behind uh, how we got to those numbers, the uh, CMD content is, of course, available on our website. I always have to put that plug in there. So you mean I can watch that? I can watch that again, Lila? You can watch that again, Rob. You can watch that as many times as you want. <laughs> Fantastic. Really getting my purple on, you know? Yes. Um, Philip, what would you say to people who dismiss hydrogen as a key player in the future of energy? Yeah, well, I'm, 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 I, I did my missionary work in, uh, um, for hydrogen um, uh, 10 years ago. <laughs> I, I don't feel um, it's, it's, it's really required to do that anymore because uh, um, uh, over the past uh, um, uh, two years, uh, my, uh, my policy makers around the globe have uh, um, uh, caught up um, uh, and got uh, um, excited and our hydrogen believers, uh, we see that um, uh, the biggest companies have uh, um, uh, put uh, um, their uh, strengths together um, in uh, the Hydrogen Council um, and are uh, doing also the, um, the, 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 all, all they can do from point of view of uh, uh, financing uh, uh, detailed studies and doing the advocacy work for hydrogen. Um, so that um, I, um, uh, the, the path towards a faster deployment of the technology is, uh, um, is opened. Um, so I, I think we're be beyond um, uh, uh, the phase where we have to spend uh, much time in trying to convince um, and naysayers. I think we, um, the believers outnumber the naysayers and um, give them some time. It, uh, um, uh, it will also become clear to them that 
um, uh, hydrogen will be um, one of those uh, key enabling uh, technologies um, in uh, the energy transition. And um, you, you simply cannot um, uh, uh, imagine um, uh, to realize the energy tra tra uh, transition without hydrogen technology. Uh, I think the, the believers definitely do outnumber the naysayers now. Certainly, we'd hope so. Um, I just wanted to come back to some mention of policy that you made earlier, Philip, and again just then. Um, yes, we may now have more believers than naysayers, but is it more about stick than carrot now? Is it? I mean, that's a conversation we see emerging this year at H2View. Um, is it very much about getting more progressive sticks to drive this forward? Yeah, I think the most important thing is that um, I, we 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 need to um, uh, real realize things um, in the field. So I think the most important thing is to do something, um, uh, and and not another study. Um, uh, we really need to sit together um, uh, with industry with industrial players, um, uh, with um, uh, uh, the uh, uh, policy makers. And, and realize um, uh, um, projects. I know that um, I, uh, for the time being, um, I, uh, with uh, um, the, the, the right um, um, market pool measures not being available yet, um, I, we, uh, we need to convince policymakers um, to invest in large-scale projects. Um, that really can uh, demonstrate um, uh, to uh, um, uh, uh, the world that uh, um, uh, that it's real, that it's possible with hydrogen, um, uh, that it's uh, um, uh, viable, um, uh, and in the process, uh, um, I develop the value chain because that's uh, I think very important that we kickstart um, uh, the value chain um, uh, for uh, for our sector. Absolutely, and uh, I feel like I really brought that down into a serious note for a moment. So let's try and bring it back up a bit. Philip, is there something people might be surprised to know about electrolysis? Um, yeah, I, I think uh, one one thing that surprised me at least um, uh, uh, several years when, when when I first got, got to the sector, I think it was in the first year that uh, um, I uh, joined the sector. I went to a conference um, in Copenhagen um, on uh, uh, water electrolysis, and uh, the first presenter, uh, he started and he showed um, uh, on his first slide a picture um, of a, um, a very old um, uh, windmill um, I, and uh, a guy standing in front of the windmill. And he explained that this guy, um, uh, um, over 100 years ago, um, was already producing um, with that windmill hydrogen. <laughs> So that was a shocker, um, uh, because I thought I was in uh, um, uh, a field where uh, we had to develop um, everything from scratch, and uh, um, then you realize suddenly this this technology is around for uh, um, a century or more, um, uh, but um, it needs to um, be upscaled um, uh, and, of course, um, be improved. Um, but uh, the technology is around for so 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 many. Um, uh, years already, um, uh, and that I think a lot of people don't realize um, uh, that it's uh, uh, that it's that it's uh, um, uh, not something that we have to develop from scratch.
I know I can say from a brand and communication perspective that uh, it always surprises me uh, how many people kind of view Nell, for example, as a, as a young company. And when we, we say, well, we've been doing this for, for nearly a century, uh, it, it takes people by surprise on that one. Philip, you had mentioned about how we need to just get down to it. We need to to get things done. It's not about doing more of the the reports and the research. It's about just actually putting things into action. On that note, are there any uh, is there anything coming up that you can tell our audience about that you're particularly excited about? You know, new new products or or big projects. What can you tell us? Oh well, there are many things um, uh, that uh, that are uh, super interesting. I think first of all, um, uh, we um, we are working very hard to um, uh, select um, sustainable partners um, uh, to uh, help us um, accelerate um, uh, in this uh, in this sector, and um, uh, I feel that we're. Um, picking up speed um, in that area so uh, there will be i think quite some interesting announcements over the next uh, um, months um, uh, from uh, um, uh, now in, in that perspective and i think it's it's really important um, uh, to um, uh, in, in in this market in particular because um, it is um, uh, quite complex because you don't have to um, uh, you have to you have to convert a complete energy um, uh, system um, uh, uh, from uh, a conventional technology towards new technology and, and replace incumbent technologies, etc. So it's a very complex um, uh, undertaking and that's why it's so important to have um, uh, very strong sustainable partners um, in order to, to realize that. And we really, really uh, are focused on that. Then I think what will uh, what will we see uh, also is that uh, um, we have seen over the past year um, that uh, the number of of, of uh, projects that um, were announced um, uh, um, in uh, this power to X um, arena uh, have really mushroomed um, uh, globally. But uh, um, uh, most of uh, the new projects were announced in uh, in Europe, uh, so Europe is really. Um, still in the lead, um, I think, from uh, that point of view. Um, I, but uh, uh, there is, of course, um, a difference between announcing a project and, and, and really um, uh, getting started executing the project. And uh, we're um, getting closer um, for some of these uh, large-scale projects to really move um, from uh, um, the, uh, uh, the, the, the table um, a top study to um, uh, execution phase over the next uh, year. So that will be very interesting to see to see that happening. Well, then we'll probably have to have you back on the uh, podcast at some point in the future to to give us the details on some of those exciting uh, projects that are coming up. I just one final uh, question for me, Philip. What are the key takeaways that you would like? listeners to get from our our podcast today if they only walk away with you know one or two things that they remember what would those be well i i think one one thing which i uh, um i like to um I explain to people is that uh i i think people need to um sit back relax um, I, uh, and uh, uh, watch this market uh, develop and uh, um, if possible participate um, I, in the development 
Um, I, uh, we have seen that over um, uh, the past uh, 15, 20 years, um, I, sometimes in the past, the progress um, I, um, I looked slow for hydrogen, um, I, but um, I, there has been progress every year. Um, and what we have seen that uh, that progress has increased from year to year. Um, uh, and uh, um, what I um, what I forecast, what we will see is that um, uh, that uh, acceleration will continue in a steady, steady pace going forward uh, well into um, the next um, decade. Um, uh, but uh, don't expect a revolution um, overnight because um, uh, that is that is not possible. We are um, uh, displacing. Um, I, um, gradually uh, incumbent um, uh, solutions, incumbent technology with new ones uh, and that is um, uh, uh, more difficult or will take more time than when you come with a, um, a solution for um, a, a, a problem that nobody really knew that <laughs> um, uh, that was around, uh, like uh, an iPad, for instance. Um, I, that was a solution um, uh, looking for a problem, um, I, um, uh, and it found uh, um, uh, a great market for itself, but there was nothing that needed to be displaced initially, so um, then it's easier to, uh, um, uh, to, to grow fast. Uh, in uh, in the case of hydrogen technology, it's different, and that's why um, it will take a little bit more time. Um, uh, uh, but uh, um, uh, we will we will see steady uh, um, growth and accelerated growth over the next um, decade. That's for sure. Well, as a stereotypical, uh, excitable Canadian, and as a self-professed hydrogen junkie, uh, I think I might have trouble not getting uh, overexcited, but I'll do my best to take your advice on that one, uh, Philip. Me too. I'm there with you. <laughs> <laughs> Philip, thank you so much for joining us today. We really do appreciate it. My pleasure. Thank you. Rob, any last thoughts to round us up on today's episode? Sure. Um, for me, I, I think that point around making policymakers rock stars or heroes is a great perspective on all the talks around in scale up. I mean, what a great idea. And I love the hydrogen junkie references uh, too. Uh, in all seriousness, as we discussed at the top of the episode, electrolyzers are clearly a key pillar in the transition themselves. They're fundamental anyway. But this idea of turning that growing pressure on policymakers and making it a positive, a sense of empowerment, if you will, that could be a really neat means of kicking on this whole movement. What do you think, Lila? Oh, for sure. And likewise, engaging with the people who influence policymakers. I mean, there are more and more people focused on the energy transition, thankfully, uh, but they didn't always know about the vital role that green hydrogen plays in it. Take me, for example. Although I've been passionate about the energy transition for many years now, it wasn't until I started looking into a career in Nell that I really saw just how important hydrogen is to helping us meet our climate goals. So we shouldn't forget about the everyday rock stars who push policymakers to make those decisions either. <laughs> I just totally called myself a rock star, didn't I? <laughs> you kind of did, yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, then on that note, I'd like to thank the other rock stars, mainly our audience, for tuning in to this episode of Purple is the New Green. If you like what you're hearing, don't forget to check out our website, nellhydrogen.com forward slash podcasts for more episodes as they're released. And you can also subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you like to tune in.